what this is like. Like, just appearing in people's podcast feeds after like six months away. Um, no, what's it like? I was trying to try and think of something really clever then, and my it's, brain it's failed. It's like, do you know when you get those texts of somebody you spoke to like <laughs> months ago, drunken texting, just, hey. Hey. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're saying that we're ghosting people and that we're just well, we've coming ghosted back. for six months. I'm so sorry. <laughs> but we are back. Yes, we are. We're back. We're back and welcome to his film, Her Movie. I'm Jordan. And I'm Lauren. And this is the podcast that answers the question, to what lengths one married couple will go to to make the other watch some films that they love. Yes. A lot's happened. Although we've took this six months break... <laughs> For no apparent reason, it just one week turned to two, turned to three, turned Men- to three men- months. Mentally, for some reason, we needed a break. Yeah, I have no idea why. <laughs> but with that break has come a different way of doing the show. Yes, we've had a little bit of a brainstorm. Yeah. A little bit of a what shall we do? Yeah, so what we're going to be doing going forward is, I mean, everybody who listened to the show before is, we used to pick a theme. Yep. We used to both pick a film that related to that theme. Mm -hmm. And then discuss them. Yes. However, we've changed that. There is still going to be an element of you choose a film, I choose a film. Mm -hmm. However, we're going to be doing seasons. Yeah, yeah, we are. Seasons, we felt were going to work a bit better. Yeah, so we're going to have like an overarching theme of a season, mm-hmm. either a genre of movie, a specific topic, actor. and then actor, anything like that. And then we're both, <coughs> both going to choose three films that sit within that restriction that we're giving us. Yes. So we're going to have six episode seasons. Six episode seasons. And what is the first season going to be? The first season is going to be heist films. Yes. So those lovely, lovely, sometimes happy, happy, yeah. (laughs) Sometimes funny, sometimes thrillery, sometimes there's a lot of different things you can do with a heist movie. Yes. And the first one up is my pick. Ladies don't go first on this podcast. Oh, that, are, you, are you questioning my chivalry? <laughs> no, no, we just thought we'd come back with an obscure one. <laughs> question my chivalry. We're even five minutes into the podcast and you're calling me a misogynist. <laughs> it wouldn't be one of our podcasts if I didn't call somebody a misogynist. So... <laughs> So, yeah, it is my choice, and I chose one of the most classical versions of the heist movie, Mm -hmm. and that is 1955's Rafifi, directed by Jules Dassin. Yes. So we'll find out what we thought about that going forward, but as always, we'll start with what have we been watching, what's been keeping us entertained. Now, I'm not going to ask for what's been keeping you entertained for the last six months. Let's keep it to a, a, a small test like okay. sample okay so what's been keeping you entertained over sort of like last week two weeks okay um obviously murder 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 as usual um i did join on the elaborate on murder okay no, no not just murder um i'm just into 
<laughs> I've just said what's been keeping you irritated. You said murder. murder. It's like you've just been going around stabbing folk. Uh, no, uh, I just I love a. Uh, I, I I'm, in, I'm into season three of Criminal, Criminal Minds. Minds. Yes, um, enjoying it. There is uh, some normal episodes. It is getting into the slightly weird ones. Um, That's what you want from a procedural team. Oh yeah, I love you, you I love ha- a weird I love a weird one. I only started watching it because I know in like season four there's some really weird stuff going on. And that's it. It's one of those things where your procedural <clears> TV <throat> shows that can have that gritty edge, mm-hmm. but because they are procedural and every week is generally going to be a don't you killer, they do run out of ideas, and that's when the writers just go a little bit over the top it's like for me it's, it's the bones effect it's like if you look yeah. at the first couple of seasons of bones makes sense then when you look at say season eight onwards it's just baffling yeah and um the other thing is obviously it's getting into the seasons now where it's it's gaining more traction obviously more people are watching it gaining more popularity um there's now some more celebrities in it it's like you came downstairs the other day whilst i was watching it i was like and i was like look it's will wheaton Obviously the murderer. Yes. And it's like, oh, Luke Perry. Obviously the murderer. Who's the die from guy from Dawson's Creek? James Vanderbeek. James Vanderbeek. Obviously the murderer. It's one of those things though, it's like um what's the other show in America? It's huge, it's been going on for many seasons and there's like loads of spin-offs. Um, Grey's Anatomy? No, no Law and Order. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, and there used to be people. Is that who the used... one with Ice Cube or whatever his name is, the no, rapper? That might be, or that might be a version of it, or CSI. Mm-hmm. But, but like CSI, NCIS. Americans love procedural like crime shows. I just love a murder. It's 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 uh, like an establishment over there, but but yeah, Lauren Hardy used to just get celebrities just turn up in that because it's daytime TV. When they're out of work actors, what do they do? I know, but now I'm like, I see them and I'm like, oh, well, you're the murderer. Yeah. Um. Apart from that... um, and The one with Will Wheaton's actually hilarious as well, because <laughs> it's like, you go on a TV show, it's like, who am I going to be the murderer? Great, what's my murder? This, and it, it can be you know, even like a badge of honour by just how creepy they are, because wasn't Will Wheaton, Will Wheaton like raping them? Um. Yeah. Putting so, them in a car in front of a... Yeah, so he was, he was killing people... In, like, this cabin in the woods that was part of, like, a motel. But mm. he'd set up this specific cabin so that way he could, like, press a button and then, like, shutters would come down and, like, lock all the doors and right. trap these people in. And then he he would, like, torture and murder the woman whilst the husband watched and raped her and everything. Um, Obviously, trigger warning for rape, sorry. Yeah. And um, then would murder them, put them back in the car that they came in, Drive them out to like a secluded road and just leave the car in the middle of the road to get hit by a truck. So therefore, everybody thought the trucks were killing these people. It, yeah, but then it was just Will Wheaton saying, "Yeah, but I'm a real man, honey. <laughs> you are. I, I love Will Wheaton. He will always be Wesley Kusher. Yeah, and him just coming across and saying that, and I was just like, okay, I, I get the incel vibes from you. Yeah, you playing this character, not in real life, but just him saying those lines made me go, yeah. <laughs> So funny. Um, but yeah, apart, apart from that, I watched them. Um, I jumped on the TikTok trend of watching Encanto. Yes. A couple of weeks ago. Got you to watch it. You did. As well. And that at the moment is incredibly Kids popular. Are... Did you like, did you enjoy it? I thought it was okay. I mean, <clears throat> everybody's been talking about the songs and how the bangers, none of the songs really <clears throat> got me 
in any way emotionally. Oh, like, not emotionally, but, but the Bruno song was great. True, but none of them's none of them is like a Moana style banger in my eyes. Okay, and okay. It's one of those where the film ends, where I kind of would like it to begin. It, it it feels like it's amping up to something, and then it just finishes. I get that. I think all the songs were written by Lin Manuel Miranda. Miranda. Same as Moana. Well, I think he was did a few for Moana. But yeah, so it's all that, and it's got um looks lovely, looks great. Um oh, so the it's uh got the main actress uh Mirabelle is played by uh the lady from uh Brooklyn Nine Nine Nine. Oh, Stephanie, or or is it the other one? Stephanie, it's the other one. Oh right, the um, mean one who I was with leather oh, no, jacket. That's, that's that's Stephanie something. Sorry, I forgot her name. Yeah, and then it's also got the dude. I'm so bad with names. I feel like my brain is not working. <laughs> it's got this woman and this man. <laughs> it's got this woman and this man, and then it also it's has John Luisiamo. Yes, is, love him. Yeah. So good, and all the way through, like when he started like talking, I was like, I know that voice. I know that voice, and I had to go on the cast list because I was like, it's gonna drive me up the wall, and I was so pleased to see that it was him. Um, Would you like it? I liked it. I've seen it twice now because, of course, I watched it myself yep. and then we saw it on New Year's Eve with my parents oh, yeah. and everybody. Made my mum watch it. She didn't fall asleep. Yeah. Therefore, I'm, I'm going to say it was a success. <laughs> Sorry, mum. You always fall asleep in films. But no, apart from that, not a huge amount. You watched one on my iTunes. <gasps> oh. Um, we watched two on iTunes. Oh, I watched um, The Craft. Yes. And we watched The Craft. We watched, re-watched The Craft and Heathers because mm. um, I really, really, just really wanted to re-watch those and relive the 90s. Well, Heathers is 80s, but... Well, Heathers is 80s, the yeah. The Craft but... is... It's a weird movie. It's like, a great movie. No, no I, I, I do enjoy it. It's just a very weird slice of that era slice of the time of the fashion the song choices just the entire teenage vibe that's going it's on all there. coming back and it's whatever happened to feruza bulk i don't know but she's great she's so like manic and... interesting to watch on the screen she really just so when she's on the screen with everybody else you watch her you don't it. watch anybody else. And like I remember, she's in <clears throat> almost famous. She's in the what? She in the water boy? I think she is. Yeah, she is. And yet she's got a really unique look, and she's completely. I know there's a a sequel to the craft that only came out a couple of years ago, and she turns up. I think later on in that, as in okay. like a little bit of a cameo. Mm-hmm. But yeah it's it's a wicked movie here and I understand like the whole teenage angst dripping off it and you can see how it could have been appealing to the teenage girl yeah but I also find it kind of weird that that was written and directed by men <laughs> and it's just how, how did these people get into the world of the the teenage mind well they didn't really they got into the world of what they thought a witch mind would yeah. be, but yeah, I get I get what you mean. It's a little bit it, that is a little bit weird, but no, I it's something that I enjoy, and I just really wanted to watch the Heather's as well. Yeah, again, because it was I watched it with you. We did we were, it on the show. We did it on the show. Really enjoyed it, and 
you went out one night one day and I was like, oh, let's watch some old films. It's it's deliciously dark, is the Heathers. Love it. It's such a, again, weird little movie. And I love, I mean, Chris, Christian Slater is so over the top, he's so... He's great. Yeah, so conniving. I always think if I had to cosplay as anybody, I'd probably cosplay as like a Heather. Fr- a Heather. Because it's so easy, but it's so iconic. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's either that or like the, the Alicia Silverstone in Clueless with that yellow. Yeah, but I'm I'm brunette. Cool. Doesn't yeah. work for me. So. Wigs. Yeah. <laughs> but no, uh, what about me? What have I been watching? I went to the cinema. You did? You've been a couple of times. I went to see the new Scream. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a big fan of the Scream franchise. I enjoy what it does in the sense of it goes away long enough that sometimes the genres have changed. Yeah. So therefore it's commenting on different things. For example, the first Scream is all about the, the slasher films of the 80s and mm-hmm. how those films <coughs> worked and the structure and the rules within them. Mm-hmm. And even though I think those rules were unconscious at the time for example don't have sex don't say i'm gonna be right back etc etc yeah they just became a trope scream 2 is about sequels it's what you do with the sequel to go bigger you have to Mm -hmm. to go and that came right after scream 1 like there was only a year between those two Mm -hmm. you started shooting it i think before really the scream 1 even came out they were that confident of it being a hit that's quite good, though, that yeah. there was that confident of it being a hit. And Scream 3 is probably the weakest of them all in my eyes. It, it gets a little bit too silly. Scream 4, I like a lot. It's coming in like found footage movies and mm-hmm. how horror's going in a different direction. Mm-hmm. And then this one is, well, it is a <coughs> legacy sequel or yeah. requel or whatever you want to call it. And he comments on that, mm-hmm. saying how how, you, how it works and who the killer's going to be and whatever. Mm-hmm. But I enjoyed it as well. I mean, it's not quite as good as four for me, but the thing about the Scream movies is they never forget to be fun. They never forget to be entertaining. I mean, it's not very scary, this one, but... Is there any, like, jump scares and There's that a couple of, of jump scares, but there's, there's a sequence in, in the film, actually, it's about maybe about a 90-second sequence where it's teeing up jump scares <clears throat> but the jump scares don't happen so the filmed like for example you've got the old like you open up a cupboard yeah to get something out you close the cupboard somebody's there rah where it, it does that for a good like there's a, maybe five or six different places where you would think a jump scare would happen mm-hmm. it doesn't and it happens somewhere else so therefore it's trying to catch you off guard okay um some of the cast return you've got david arquette you've got courtney cox mm-hmm or what looks like Courtney Cox, unfortunately. Oh, really? Um, and you got Nev Campbell coming back. I yeah. enjoyed that. But I actually quite enjoyed the new cast. They were all decent. Do you, would this be a case of the next one, if they do another one, do you think it'll just be the new cast? They've maybe introduced them in this one with some of the older and then they'll move on to just being the new. You'd think so, um, if there is a new one. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's, it's hard to have a screen film without Sydney Prescott, I, I find. Yeah. Um, having Nev Campbell as that thing. But it's like also, mm-hmm. we watched Craft, we watched Scream. Those two films came out in the same year. And it's just strange to see the two different levels of performance by Nev Campbell. Mm-hmm. Because 
She's I mean, she's brilliant in both. What else have I watched? That's the big question. You went to Glasgow. I did go to Glasgow. We might as well talk about that. Yeah, I went to Glasgow to see a 35mm print of Licorice Pizza, Paul Thomas Anderson's new movie. And not only was that an experience, I haven't seen anything actually projected on celluloid in a decade. Mm-hmm. And it is surprising just how much it affects your experience, how much it affects the visuals of the movie. And mm-hmm. um, the film was shot on 35 as well, so therefore it, it, you've got that nostalgic tint, that nostalgic glow through it all. It's set in the 70s, um, but the film I absolutely adored. Because I know that you were so keen yeah. to go and see this film. Like you discussed it when we went down to London last year and you were just like, oh, I need to see this film, I need to see this film. And there's nowhere near us. Well, there's nowhere near us actually showing it, no. So I thought... I was so happy that you found a screening (laughs) in Glasgow because I thought, oh my God, if he doesn't find a screening... Well, Paul Thomas Anderson is one of probably the best living filmmakers, best living American filmmakers. But going back to the the love letter, sort of nostalgic fuel movies, (laughs) even though this is very different than Boogie Nights, it's a vibe film. It's got a... A textured feel going throughout it, like you wouldn't, you feel like. I mean, I could live in that world for. I mean, the film is just over two hours, but I could live in that world for like three and a bit, four hours. Yeah. I just wanted to see what was going on in these kids' lives because you've got, a, um, it's like the friendship and weirdly blossoming, blossoming romance between a fifteen-year-old boy and a twenty-five-year-old woman. That yeah, is its own itself very. Weird. Yeah, um, complicated and slightly off-putting. Mm-hmm. But other than that, you've it's structured in these weird vignettes throughout like a, a long summer. Mm-hmm. And one of the final vignettes is including Bradley Cooper um, as John Peters. And it's, quite frankly, you, you don't get film better than that. Mm-hmm. It is both hilarious and shocking it just and it's what the film is doing about nostalgia and I, 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 so what i think is it's interesting point is it's presented as this glorious looking at the past isn't that so nice isn't it isn't life simpler back then what well, and you know when you do look back yeah. at those rose tinted glasses yeah but there's things that are just scattered across like you've got I actually forget the guy's name i think is it john michael higgins you'll know him if you see him mm-hmm. and in the film he runs a chinese restaurant right and he had in the film during the film he has different chinese wives but the way he communicates to them as if he's talking chinese is just by putting on a really broad chinese accent okay in do you know that offensively so yeah. Chinese accent? And when you're in the audience, when he does it the first time, you laugh. I was like, that's just funny. But then what I stopped myself and I was like, but why is that funny? Yeah. And it's you're looking back and say, oh, what well, <clears throat> maybe this time wasn't all rose tinted. Mm-hmm. And you got to think like during the during the film, Cooper Hoffman. His parents are barely ever there, so he can do whatever he wants. He sets up a few businesses. He sets up a waterbed business. He sets up a pinball business. <laughs> right, okay. I think it's that lack of 
parenting and that lack of guidance that leads him down and in the relationships that he gets in. Mm-hmm. So it's both shining a warm light on the 70s, but also I think looking at it underneath a magnifying glass mm-hmm. and saying, yes, you, some of your memories are nice, but society at that time, everything like that is may not have been can I ask Great. a question? Yeah. So you said that that gentleman had several different Chinese wives. Yes. Is that is that discussed? Is it that he's saying, oh, yeah, it's, is it never mentioned? It's, it's just a different wife. Now, you just describing that to me is maybe is in my mind, not the fact that he's getting a new wife, more of the fact it goes on to... um like not feelings but like sort of racism at the time that people no. all kind of like look the same well, it does and it, it absolutely because what <clears throat> happens is you meet them early on mm-hmm. like john michael higgins and his wife at the time mm-hmm. and then cooper hoffman's character goes back to that restaurant yeah and he says hi and calls that the woman who's with him the wife's name of the other one. It's like, oh, no, that's an old one. That's an old wife. This is a new one. Oh, okay. So, so it is a new wife each time. I thought they were doing, oh, when no, you yeah. described it as, it was the same name. Yeah. So, it, but no, her name's Michelle. It's always Michelle. It's just a different person each time as a comment on the fact that the Cooper Hoffman's character wouldn't would, would maybe look at them and just see that they all all Chinese ladies look the same. I mean, I don't think, within that sense of it being the same character, it's definitely not. But Cooper Hoffman, not noticing that it's a different person, could be commenting on that. I mean, the the accent that he uses is definitely commenting on that. that. That's when you said about the accent and everything. I was like, oh, is this like another sort of way that they're making people sort of think about that? Yeah, it could be. And also, not only that, I think it looks at star power in that time as well like mm-hmm. celebrity because we have Sean Penn who is playing a old fashioned movie star okay and we've got Bradley Cooper playing John Peters mm-hmm. and the way they act the way they communicate is we are <clears throat> untouchable oh okay okay uh, uh, basically, they they go to Bradley Cooper's house to put in a waterbed, and he says, "If you mess it up, I'm going to kill your family." <laughs> That's nice yeah. to a fifteen-year-old. Yes. Yeah. But other than that, I've seen a couple of other things not really worth mentioning. Just really, little bits. Just little bits. Um, but should we get on to the main event, Rafifi? Rafifi. Yes, we'll have a little break and we will be back with Rafifi. Mon homme est un type à la cool. Toute la fin de journée, il se les roule. Il a beaucoup de philosophie, mais il aime trop la Rafifi. À peine un os gamme fait du gringue. Il pose la main sur son flingue Redresse son cadure et vas-y pour un petit coup de rififi Je voudrais m'en mêler, mais du doigt Il me montre la porte et me dit tire-toi Et quand il revient sans rien dire avec son méchant petit sourire 
À mon tour, ça ne fait pas un pli. Je suis bonne pour la rififi. So, rififi. <coughs> Directed by Jules Dassin. Yeah. You've got Tony Lestefano, who is a criminal who's just came out of prison. A gambler. A gambler meets a friend who says it basically as a favour for not ratting him out because if he did so, he probably would have ended up in prison. So he's dinner time. He'll cut him in on a robbery that they're going to do of a jewellery store. Yes. And then they plan this crime and execute it. Pretty simple story. Mm-hmm. A really simple story. And the actual story behind Rafifi is actually quite interesting because... Although it's a French film. Yeah. Jules Dassin is actually American. Oh, okay. And when he made it, he didn't even really have a full grasp on the language. At the time, he was actually exiled from Hollywood. Why? Well, because he was named as a one-time member of the Communist Party. Oh, oh, is that sort of time. By by one of the original Hollywood 10. Right. Um, So during that communist witch hunt of joe mccarthyism and the house of committee of un-american activities mm-hmm. i think it was edward dimitrick who actually named him as a thing so he couldn't work in hollywood anymore okay so he went to the uk mm-hmm. tried to work there couldn't because obviously the uk film industry wanted their films to be released in america yep so therefore if his name was attached to it it wouldn't happen mm-hmm. so he went around some European countries, came back, and in France, he got the opportunity to adapt a pulpy French crime novel. Okay. And this is, I mean, five years had passed this, and this is what ended up being Rafifi. And yeah, I mean, the novel itself was written by a guy called Auguste de Breton, and Dassin was questioning whether to do it or not because... <clears throat> the novel wasn't really that well regarded and he had, had to do quite a lot of changing of the source material because there was a lot of underworld lingo oh, okay. jargon. However, it seems to that Breton, the, the actual novelist, created all this language himself. So it was, to <laughs> another audience, was completely un... Just complete nonsense. Nonsense. Okay, yeah. And it also involved <clears throat> necrophilia. <clears throat> so... In 1950s cinema, even in French cinema, you can't really put that on film. And you can tell straight away from the film that Dassin comes from the film noir era of Hollywood. Like that that opening scene where we get to meet Joe. Mm -hmm. No, sorry, when we get to meet Tony. Sitting around a card game, cigarette smoke everywhere, the harsh light from... The, the the lamp above the, yeah. the costumes it, it's very hard boiled detective like you expect some sort of voiceover to start where mm-hmm. he's talking about i don't know broads and dames and things like that yeah and what we actually do end up getting from tony is this desperation mm-hmm. it, it, this depressed figure this this ice cold emotionless and that grey level of masculinity of what is what can be 
considered masculine at the time. I mean, yeah. we'll, we'll get on to sort of what makes him want to do the the heist in the in the place because he originally turns it down, <clears throat> and yet he, he said he's not instantly likable. No, he's not at, at all. all. At he, all, to be honest, he's not really that. Li- he does one good thing. Well, yeah, exactly. And I think that is, it's not painting crime in a, a Hollywood light. It's not. No. It's, it's not. It's not glamorizing it. it. It's showing what it what it is. It's not glamorous in any way at all. Again, you hadn't seen this. Mm-hmm. What did you think of Rafifi? What was the things that stood out? What was for me? I've seen a little bit of French cinema. I've enjoyed it previously. What really, really stood out to me was the the stakeouts, everything that sort of went into it. I felt like it was a little bit more believable mm-hmm. than things what ha- what happens in like probably modern day heist films. The fact that they were like, okay, we're going to go in. They found out the type of alarm. They got the type of alarm and they spent ages fiddling about with it and working out how to bypass the alarm without doing all this, which I thought that's really interesting. Um, the timings of obviously the policemen going around. Um, and then when they go to break in, they obviously do it uh, from the apartment above, mm-hmm. um, which I never, I didn't time it, but I'm saying it was maybe about half an hour. 32 minutes. Half an hour, Just no talking. No talking. No talking, which I thought was, I think that's very brave to do in a film. Absolutely. Especially, I find a film where everything is very practical. There is no special effects. There isn't anything, there isn't like amazing scenery or animals or something beautiful to you for you to look at. It's literally four men gently pulling up a floor and breaking through the the floor to the ceiling to the shop below, Um, which I thought was very brave and very interesting to watch. And the thing that I really, really (laughs) loved was the fact that they used an umbrella to catch any of the debris. debris i was like how are they gonna do this and you were like what and i was uh-huh. like oh, it's an umbrella and that that's is such it. a good idea it's about an hour where they're planning this heist and yeah. then executing it and it is the the most famous part of this movie I mean, especially that heist that 32 minutes yeah of, of no talking using only diegetic sound and that decision by Dassin to do that is what creates the tension in that place and in that time. Yeah. And I have a thing for heist movies. And one of the things, I mean, one of the reasons why this is the first season of this new format that we're doing, mm-hmm. because it's a very formulaic structure. Yeah. And I think it was, and don't quote me on this, but in John Huston's The Asphalt Jungle, 1950 film, mm-hmm. I think it was the first one that went down the angle of there's a crime, get the team together, plan the crime, okay. do the crime, and then you, that that formula, like formula that we do get yeah. throughout most heist movies nowadays. Mm-hmm. And what's interesting me doing this, especially this one is the first one, I think it's a good place to start, is it's going to be interesting to see how films not only play around with that structure, but how they feel differently. Because even though a film can have the same structure, they can feel completely different. Yeah. Um, And that's what I'm looking forward to. But you've talked about it there, is why I think 
Rafifi is a good place to start and why I chose it is that it's the precision of this movie. Yeah, it puts you in that room. Yeah. It makes you feel the tension. You can see, oh, look, we know they've got to have stuff done by this time and it's getting closer and closer and closer to this time. They can't just leave because there's a great big gaping hole in the ceiling. Mm. It's very obvious. It's either you get it done, you get in, you get out, or you get caught. There's there's no there's no other way about it. You can't just abandon the plan halfway through. Yeah. I also loved um one of the guys when they snuck in was wearing like little ballet slippers. I thought that was just so goddamn cute. Claude, I think his name was in the, the movie. The one who didn't speak any Well, he's the Italian. Yes. Um now that is actually Jules Dassin. Oh, okay. So like Rafifi didn't have any budget. It, it was a really low budget movie. Um, and that's why there's no stars in it, even for France. Mm-hmm. And there was actually somebody who meant to be playing, sorry, Cesar. Cesar. Oh, yes, that was, that was a German's name, yeah. Um, he was meant to be playing that and he dropped out very late on. So that's why Joseph Sand just had to jump in. He would have already known it and everything. And then yeah. it is, it, it's, it's not only, again, not only the precision of the filmmaking, but the precision of the crime. It is them planning that out it's methodical nature yes. of it all that i really like in like the, the 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 montage of you mentioned the alarm it's them seeing what triggers the alarm trying to fix it not working did doing these different things to try and get around it mm-hmm. and what that is doing not only is it entertaining to watch but it's putting the stakes higher higher yeah and saying, right, okay, when once we get to the sequence of the heist, we know how loud they can be. Yes, and we know how quickly and how sensitive they were because it was set off by vibrations, by cutting the power, by doing all kinds of different things. Um, the only thing I kind of put down was there was really no reason for any of them to do this heist. Other than money. Yeah, but like none of them were horrifically bad off. They all had a roof over their heads. Mm. And it's just like, sometimes you'll watch a heist film, like, there'll always be somebody who's like, I'm so desperate for money, I desperately need this to save my sick child or something, which is fair enough. But all of them were, oh, this will be a bit of a lark, let's go. Well, that's it. I think you're just looking into the the fact that a criminal's a criminal. Yeah. In a way, at that time. There was nothing for you to be like, oh, I really want him to get the money so that way he can live a better life or he could do this or he could do this, which you quite often find there's always a little bit of a sob story or somebody to root for. None of the characters, whilst they were doing that heist, were people that you would root for because it's like they're, they're just criminals at that point. And you generally get the people doing the heist are normally either anti-heroes yep. or they're stealing from someone who is Doesn't a, deserve it a nastier anyways. person, yeah. is a villain. Where this one, the people they're stealing from really aren't in the movie. No, they're just... They're just it's the, antag- the, the antagonists come from the, the underworld crime yeah. of, of of Paris. Yeah. And yeah, it's it's one of those cinematic sequences, that heist, that... It's been long copied, but probably never bettered. No. And it's, I like how simple it is. I mean, there's a scene, in, not only with the heist, because there's a scene later on in that heist sequence where 
we know they're running late. Yeah. The, the sun's up, things are happening outside. Flowers are being delivered. Flowers are being delivered. <clears throat> and Cesar is drilling into the safe. And all it is is cutting away to everybody's sweaty faces. Yes. And it just builds in tension, builds in tension. And that stuff is just gold. It's catnip to me. Mm-hmm. It, it's very, very simple, but very, very effective. That's it. It was. I, you know, I, I did. I enjoyed, I really enjoyed the film. Mm. And I do feel that it is quite a long film. It is black and white. And it is in French, which I yes. feel would put off a lot of people. Yeah, yeah. But it is a very original film mm. and it was very enjoyable. Um, so I would definitely recommend it to people to give it a go. It's slow moving. That's the only thing I can say. It's a slow moving film. It's not going to be something that you're going to watch and it's going to jump straight into it. And you're going to be like, yeah, there's the action and there's this and these are the stakes. It's not of that. It's more of a... It's a thinker film. It's a the longer you watch it, the more anxious you get. But you ha- you start off very calm and gradually get more and more anxious. And that's it. And I think it's the the drama and the tension comes from the quietness and yeah. from the stillness of it. Mm-hmm. And and that's one of the things that I I do again. It does well. Is that it doesn't rush anything, um, and especially when other heist or crime movies, what would they would do is the heist is actually a small part of the movie. Yes. It's the foot chase, the car chase that's after the heist. That is where the drama comes in, where the action comes in. Mm-hmm. Whereas that seat part of this movie is very small. There is something that happens when they actually do get out of the jewellery store. Yeah. But it's pretty much solved very very quickly oh god yeah it's very quick and i also like and again this is of the time obviously but i like the analog of it all mm-hmm. the fact that they have this alarm and that's probably the the state of the art vibration can sound alarms that, yeah. that, that is at the time whereas what you normally get now in heist movies is computer systems computer systems and software that probably doesn't exist yet and it's, yeah. all, and it's designed you have to go through for, the vents and lasers and yeah, smoke and, and, and it's i think it's designed to to actually more hinder the characters than the characters having to try and figure out the way around it yes so therefore it's, it's engineered to be <clears throat> what it is whereas this felt very real yeah it did and um, for the time but yeah and, and the way they fixed it was a very practical easy option Mm. which again would be you don't have to be a grand scientist or a computer whiz or genius or anything to be able to fix this you literally just have to know how to dampen something absolutely and i think i mean the imdb description the synopsis for this is very short it's four men four men plan a technically perfect crime but the human element intervenes. Yes. And that's what, again, it's how long they spend planning, how long the heist takes, and so we're kind of nearly there even, like, in real time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And we see how much effort goes into it. And then it all falls apart. 
because somebody can't kick somebody who wants to show off to a woman, a woman. gives an expensive ring to a woman in yeah. it's a house of cards and it's just it's a brilliant dichotomy of it all it's how you can build something it so perfectly mm-hmm. but humans aren't perfect yes i think that's a really good way of saying it and also regarding the heist i mean we do we've talked about the heist sequence a lot but it, it that's the centerpiece of the movie it's it what is. most famous about and the actual composer of the movie who did the music when dasin said that he was going to have no music within this scene he was like well i'm trying, i'm going to write you some music just because you're going to, have to you're going to you're going to want to use it because mm-hmm. it, it won't work and just trying i'm just trying to imagine a stat scene with music because i don't think it would even be as memorable at all if that no i honestly feel like if it had music it's just going to take take away from it mm. it's going to the music is going to be too emotive whereas the actual physical actions and the ticking clock that is what is emotive in that scene exactly it's ticking clock and it's like even when like a little miss place of a hand on a piano yeah is like a shock yeah and it, it, you want, it just gets you up on your seat. But no, I mean, I'm a huge fan of Rafifi. It is one of the quintessential heist movies. Mm-hmm. We may be going back to this country for one more of my picks. Okay, that's um, fine. I enjoy it, 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 it. It's a film that's influenced by Rafifi, but I haven't made that decision yet. Okay. But yeah, I think it was a good film to return on. I think it was. Something obscure, but something that has led the way for other films. Absolutely, absolutely. And talking about other films... Yes. What will we be covering in episode two of this season? Episode two of this season is going to be Ocean's 8. Yes. Yeah. The, the Sandy B. Yes, that one. I get so confused with the Oceans because they don't have them in order. So I feel like this should be like Ocean's 15, but well, it's it, not. Yeah. It's one of those things where Ocean's Eleven was called Ocean's Eleven because there was 11 of them. Oh. Now Ocean's okay. 12 is called Ocean's 12 because it's a sequel and it's Ocean's 13. And it's called Ocean's 8 because there's eight of them. Okay, that makes sense. But still, put your oceans in order, people. Because <laughs> it really confused me. <laughs> but yeah, we're going to watch that one. Uh, I believe you have seen I've it i've seen it yeah i have Long not time ago. i have not seen it um but yeah heist heist films are not something i know a huge amount of mm-hmm. so this is quite a new sort of genre for me so oh, yeah. i am looking forward to seeing this version brill and that's it really but that's we've us. got another we've got the first one in the can yay <laughs> the enthusiasm is high Woo. But yeah, as always, we are a podcast of Pod Syndicate. Yep. You can go over to wearepodsyndicate.com, check out all those lovely shows. All those those shows that people. have been doing episodes for the last six months and we haven't. <laughs> so there's six months. Of Every episodes. now and then you might hear Jordan's voice on one of them. You may. You may. So, yeah. <laughs> Not me, though. You're always welcome, I'm pretty sure. I know, but I just don't feel clever enough. <laughs> I don't feel clever enough and then I just feel like it might end up just being like the, the the five of us just talking utter rubbish. That's what it is anyhow. I know, but like I don't want to completely derail film bastards of me going, have you seen this video on YouTube? Because I have. Because <laughs> that'll be what it is. 
Oh, well, that is our first episode back of his film, her movie. It's glad to be back. It's glad yes. to be in front of the microphones, talking into the vastness of the potosphere. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and I can't think of a better way to end it than that. Okay. <laughs> Great. Bye. Bye. This podcast is part of the Pod Syndicate family. For more criminally compelling shows, articles, and conversations, head to wearepodsyndicate.com. <laughs> <laughs>